Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about Tyranny of Dragons, the new revised adventure coming out in October, as well as my cat is meowing, and I have uh, some downtime activities that I'm starting to do with my players, and Lucian is playing a monk. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Saturday Morning Dungeons & Dragons show. Yeah, good. really excited to have you guys here. So, uh, in, in uh, before we start all of our <laughs> podcasty stuff, have you heard of this goose game, Lucian? I, somehow <laughs> yes it has crossed my twitter feed every now and then oh my gosh like it's not uh so the reason i bring it up is somebody on reddit <laughs> made uh the the goose from from untitled goose game or whatever it's called into a DD monster and i thought that was really funny and so that has been going crazy all over the internet i feel uh this this silly goose game that i want to now check out but uh <laughs> we are a dungeons and dragons talk show we talk about news and our personal games that we are playing and how we can become better dungeon masters and what new new stuff we're introducing into our games and things like that so uh what's what's going on in the world of or first how are you lucian I haven't, haven't talked really to you in like good. a week. Really good? Yeah, What's it's going been on? like a it's been like a week. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's end of um September. Yeah. We're going into that month that I wanted to skip over last week, October. Yeah, so the best month. Um, so but yeah, really. Skip. I mean, yeah, we're gonna get Halloween coming up pretty soon. Uh, this is the perfect D and D time where a lot of people's schedules start to slow down from the busy summer. Mm -hmm. People are back; they're doing their regular work. They're back at school, but they want to do stuff either at night with their friends or on the weekends with their friends. But they don't want to go out to a lake or you know, a camping or traveling. They're just home. So the D and D campaigns become fierce during this time. I feel so. I think a lot are starting. I've got one starting that's pretty cool. And all my other ones are going pretty strong. The players are making it more regularly than they were over the summertime. So this feels like the D&D, &D, like, I think if we were going to name a month for D&D, &D, it <laughs> might, maybe it should be October. I, I'm, I'm, what other month could be better as the month of D&D? &D? Yeah. Well, now that my show is done and uh, the, the, the baby will be here beginning of November, October is going, I'm going to try and fit in as many board games and tabletop role-playing games as I possibly can in the month of October. So we're going to have some Dungeon Crawl classics, uh, kids on bikes, maybe teens in space if I can get that going, um, mm -hmm. Dungeons and Dragons. I want to just play a whole bunch of games, um, both online and offline. So that is my goal is I'm going to try and get that. And I think I'm going to record some of them and put them up on my Patreon. So if you're interested in listening to live gameplay, that should be a lot of fun. But last Halloween... I did a Halloween kids on bikes game and it was a lot right. of fun. And we put it on the Saturday morning D and D show channel. So if you're mm -hmm. interested in that, you can listen to our live game. It's audio only, um, but it's still lots of fun. And I wanted to, I was thinking about it and I'm like, I should make that a Halloween tradition. Like every October I should run a spooky kids on bikes, Halloween game. And uh, fortunately for me, the free RPG day kids on bike supplement that they came out with, um, has a really good story that I could use for a Halloween game. So I'm thinking I might run that this Halloween, uh, and record it and stuff. And that should be a lot of fun, but yeah, That'd I don't know. Cool. I love, would it be like the same players, same characters? So over the years Ooh. you get this nice running story of no. these these yeah, kids that would be really cool i'm thinking <laughs> the way it the way it ended though i can't use the same characters so uh, i need to have different characters but uh but yeah that that's a cool idea too though is like do a yeah. yearly game we were talking about that at gen con and we mm -hmm. were like no we should do like a, a yearly game every gen con we play a game of D D. And the first year we're level one, and then second year we're level two. And so by the time 20 years later, 20 Gen Cons later, we're at max level playing Dungeons and Dragons with the same group of people once a year. That would be really fun too. But that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. So 
what's going on in the world of Dungeons and Dragons? Well, I feel like the news cycle's winding down a little bit. We've got a few more releases that are happening towards the end of the year we've been talking about over the last month, and we'll keep bringing them up until we finally get to them, I think. Um, I did want to remind everybody that the surveys for all of those Unearthed Arcana articles are out. Mm -hmm. So if you have any feedback on all of those little subclasses that they put out, four of them most recently, uh, they're looking to hear it because I'm sure those are going to appear in a book. And my guess is if they're already in UA article territory, it may be for a book for next year. So if we start getting you know our ideas and, hey, I like this part of that, but maybe this isn't so great or this doesn't feel like what you know what I'm thinking of or this would be fun, but this doesn't. Get all that stuff into them so that we can get all that good stuff, new subclasses, which makes me excited for next year. Are we going to yeah. see a plethora of new subclasses? Are we going to get a new wizard subclass? I, I always feel like the wizards left alone. Like in uh, Xanathar's, they got one class, the War Mage, which is my favorite, but we only got one. Whereas like because in the PHB, got, like, they have eight. So yeah, well, they have a lot in the PHB. And I think that's why is they always, but they, yeah. they should do more, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. We they, need new stuff. I don't know where the, they would go. The Blade Singer in uh, Sword Coast Adventures Guide. And that was a that's really true. fun one. Um, now, is Blade, Singer, Blade Singer for a while. Is Blade Singer elf only though? It is. If you're playing See, I never in the world count of, that. If you're playing in the world of Forgotten Realms, it's elf only. But yeah. uh, it says in the book, I'm pretty sure that it's like, but your dungeon master could rule that you could play a different thing. Maybe you were okay. an, a human raised by elves, and that's why you're able to do this. Or in your homebrew world, just make it a common class. Like it's not yeah, I want to so. play a blade singer, but I've I'm not typically creating elf characters too much. Although I guess I did do an Eladrian not too long ago, but um, I don't play too many elf characters. I like to play the more gritty characters or i'm a sucker for variant human all the time because to get those feats yeah. um, one of these days i hope they kind of change that where everybody can decide to do feats or the other thing instead of just the variant human rule of that part because i think people would like to really expand on that and i think third edition was a big feat edition where you had lots of those things yeah. to kind of customize your character to do cool things and it'd be cool to see more of those come along. I know they put out a few UA articles about new ones. I know we saw some race feats in some of the other books that got put out. It was either Volos or Mordekainen's. I thought it was the in one of them. The racial feats were in Xanathar's Guide. So. Oh, was it Xan? Yeah, yeah, Xanathar's. So there was some, they were optional, like you could put these in. So those would be kind of cool. So I thought that'd be kind of cool to see. Or even maybe class feats, like feats that are only meant for certain classes, mm -hmm. but it helps you fine tune the difference between maybe your champion and somebody else's champion. Um, by taking a different feat, you might go a different route with that, even though you play the same character class. Yeah, I like feats a lot. And there's been a couple of videos on YouTube that I've been watching uh, in the past couple of weeks where people have been talking about. Um, a free feat at first level, like mm -hmm. not just variant human, but every class gets a feat at first level just to like spice up the game and allow people to, because it's so hard to want to take a feat when you know you can increase your attack, um, either intelligence or strength or dexterity um, by a certain amount. And, and I'm playing an Eldritch Knight fighter and they get extra ability score improvements. And it's mm -hmm. only because of that, that I'm taking, I've taken two feats with that character because I, and we rolled stats and I rolled pretty well. So I don't feel like I need to, to increase my Fixed constitution stats. and things like that. Yeah. And so, um, but if you're doing point by it, it's kind of difficult sometimes to be like, Ooh, I could get that plus one, or I could get this feat that allows me to learn four languages and mm -hmm. it's like, which one do I really like? You kind of focus on combat. Like, I think a lot of players lean towards combat more than they lean towards role playing. And so it is kind of this just like, I don't know if I should take that or not. Um, right. But I like this idea of a free feat at first level. And I think if I start another campaign and there are certain feats that I might say, no, those aren't allowed. Um, but like the the fun ones that no one takes, like actor or mm -hmm. or or linguist or something like that i'm like no like have these cool like you're you're obviously a, a pillar of adventuring you know go ahead and take some of those feats to make your character more rounded out or or to go through for a diff for a certain um a certain like uh path that you want to take for your character it kind of fleshes it out you know so right yep i think it'd be cool too like if you were to go Whenever you get an ASI, so a, an ability score increase for your class, it'd be cool if you'd let them take a feat also, 
but to make sure it doesn't get too crazy, you force them into using standard array, right? So they have to have stats that aren't, oh, I rolled three 18s. Yeah. And now, you know, now I'm Captain America or Superman or Batman or whatever you want to do with, you know, really super high stats. Standard array gives you one good stat and the rest are only okay-ish. So you need those ability score increases to kind of move your character into that um, superhuman, super elven, super dwarven, super whatever class you're, whatever race you're playing um, area to get there, but it'd be nice to have the feet on top of it. So I think if the, if the stats weren't too high and you did that, then that might be a fun campaign to say, where would this go and see how that kind of played out yeah, see and, what kind of characters you got from it. And how many campaigns like you're like, Oh, that'll be broken. You'll have like four or five feet. But like how many campaigns go to 20? Like most campaigns go to eight or 10. And yeah. if, and that's the case, you're getting two max, maybe three feet. And yeah. that's completely fine. Like, why not? Like, give them a couple extra feats, you know? So I yeah, know. yeah. And if they're getting magic items, you think you think feats break the game? Just start giving them three or four yeah, magic items exactly. and see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> so, so that's interesting. Um, definitely give your input so that we see. Hopefully, we get to see those in a book coming up. I wonder what they would call it. So we've had a Xanathar's Guide to Everything. We've had a Mordecai's Tome. We've had a Volo's Guide. I wonder who we're missing. Are we going to get like an Elminster's something? Or are we going to get like, who are the other big wizards out there that could have a tome that they're going to steal for a name, I wonder? I don't know. Dritzter Erden's fighting guide. To there you go. Whatever. Fighting manual like, or something? I mean, something? it could be okay. anything like that. Who knows? There was a, yeah. a Dritzter Erden uh, guide to the Underdark in second edition, I think. So cool. um, they cool. have, they've done these, these books before where they've given like titles and stuff, but... Um, not so much more with fifth edition, obviously, because that's how they're titling the books in fifth edition. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't know what other what other uh, uh, tensor <laughs> like we there have. I mean, you know, just think of of all of the yeah. the various all the names Melf. spells. <laughs> yeah, all Ab the names Abenezers or yeah. Ab Abenezer or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, Abenezer Scorcher or something like that. There, yeah, yeah yep, yep. So, so maybe that person. Um, so Melf. Yeah. Maybe we'll get Melf, Melf's book. That could be funny. Because Melf is like Gary Gygax's son, I think, is his, his really? character. Yeah, yeah. I think the story behind those is that um, he was always trying to use Fireball in the dungeons, and it wasn't working because everybody was getting killed because you couldn't not hurt your your players in early, you know, AD&D. Right. So he wanted to build one that was more contained and, and more like Melf's meteorites or, you know, the um, I'm trying to remember the name of the actual spell. And I think Melf was the name of his character. So Gary Gygax walks his son through, yeah, you could research a spell, you could do this thing, and then it could turn it into this. Because I think Gary was always really big about customizing things. Somebody just put on Twitter to say, you know, one reminder that, you know, the, the legacy of Gary, yeah, we got the rules and stuff, but he put out things like, here's a list of 100 medicinal herbs in the real world that you could then try to use as spell components for new spells that are coming up. You know, so he's always just giving us these huge lists of things that you could just go wild with. So um, catering or configuring or um, customizing things were always big in the game. It wasn't always about it has to be this way and in this box. There was like, here's ways to make it different than that, which is always cool. No, and I think that's uh, uh, one of the reasons I love RPGs. And I, I haven't had a group of people. Well, I don't have any like wizards or anything in my my game right now. But uh, at some point, I keep thinking it would be cool to craft a certain spell, you know, to like to like mm -hmm. build a spell or build a magic item that you kind of want or things like that. And and I've been reading so much Invisible Sun lately. And Invisible Sun has all of these spell cards that cards that are spells in the game, but they even give you like five blank ones and they're like, make up your own spell. And so like cool. lots of tabletop RPGs are all about creating and, and building on, on what's been given to you. And I like that a lot. So, mm -hmm. so other than that, um, release wise, we have one that we can, we've kind of, we've mentioned before in a few other shows, but I know we've missed it maybe in the last couple, is the re-release of Tyranny of Dragons, which has yeah. a beautiful cover on it. It's a release of, a, of putting two of the adventures together, making them a little bit more cohesive. There's a better starting point to it. Um, it's got some good art. It's definitely been reworked as far as format style. 
even though it's two adventures that had already been released before, that's coming out in October 22nd. So that's technically our next release yeah. of a D&D book. So that's cool. Um, that's what I'm really interested in. I think mostly because I want that art book sitting on my shelf. The All the dragons just listed there. The five-headed dragons. It just looks well, so cool. Well, it's the five heads of Tiamat, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It looked really good. So And those adventures, I think, would be really fun to go back and play. We've talked about this a little bit. I've started a one campaign that kind of fizzled off where we were going to start playing back through that. But it'd be nice to go back knowing what we know now, being what we consider the veterans of role-playing games that we are probably today, that we were way different than we were four years ago or five years ago and play back, you know, Princes of the Apocalypse, uh, you know, Tyranny of Dragons, any of these other, you know, these earlier editions, being able to fill in the holes that we might've thought were there before, or we've heard online about this adventure is not as strong because it's harder to do these things. But now that we're, we're better DMs, can we fill in those gaps and make it a really cool experience for our player? Can we go back to those really good storylines and, and run players through them? So. And these were the ones written by Kobold Press, if I'm correct, because they were so. Wizards of the Coast was working on the Player's Handbook and the Monster Manual and the Dungeon Master's Guide. And they kind of put all of their resources on making those books good and finished and polished. But they wanted an adventure to come out, so they they hired them to make Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat, um, or mm -hmm. yeah, which is now bundled together in Tyranny of Dragons. Um, yeah. It. I'm curious about this because they said like, you know, we've got the errata, but we've also fixed a couple things and kind of like, like messed with the story a little bit. So now I really feel like even though it was written by Kobold Press, which they did a great job, but now Wizards of the Coast has even a stronger hand in it to actually drive it forward and make it, make it something cool. So, and they said that they've rewritten certain sections to allow it to, uh, yeah, be like a better adventure. So yeah. that's, I'm also very curious about this and uh, we'll see, I guess we'll see when it comes out. I'm sure lots of people will do flip throughs and stuff. Um, and there's always lot, lots of blogs on the internet that do more detailed reviews. Like Sly Flourish does really good detailed reviews of all the books that mm -hmm. come out. I'm actually looking forward to his Descent into Avernus one because I just really enjoy his reviews. But uh, yeah, it's, I, that's what I'm most curious about is what they've updated, changed and made better. So before uh, I, I just before saw I run in, out in the chat, it. I just saw what I know is going to be the next. It has to be Bigby. Bigby's Book of Oddities. If they don't steal that from oh, our, yeah. our viewer over there on YouTube right now, they are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we need a Bigby book. That would be awesome. <laughs> um, and I think what's cool, too, is that we know that this design team that's been together at Wizards of the Coast is kind of the same names if you go through all the books and the most probably starting with even just after those two books you start to get into curse of strahd storm king's thunder and all the stuff that's released after that you get kind of the same names in the cover so for the designers editors and um you know contributed writers and all this other stuff that team has gotten better year after year after year. So the adventures they're making now kind of stand up even better than the adventures those same people had made two years ago. So for them to go back and say, you know, we want to take this one and we want to add these things knowing what we know now and we know what's how we like to do things, we know how we like to present things, it just makes that a stronger experience with that starting to be veteran design team right. that's really a lot of the same people at this point, so... It's cool. I'm I'm super interested. The only thing that I I love that they're going through. The only thing I hope we get to see from them, and I've said it in a few other shows of ours, is that I hope this team, this design team, this Chris Perkins, you know, um, Jeremy Crawford, uh, and, and I'm not going to remember everybody, Chris Lindsay, and all, all the people, just everybody, Kate Welch, all of them, that they get a shot at making their own campaign world at least once, like. They get their version of a Dark Sun or they get their version of an Eberron or they get their ver This design team gets to sit down and say, this is the world we created, not just yeah. stuff that came before us, but this is our stuff. I hope they get that at some point. They might not. Uh, we might get past, you know, into other D&D realms before we ever get to there because um, there's so much to do. But I hope they get their shot at it. 
So no, it'd be, it'd be cool. really interesting to see them build a world around the fifth edition rule set rather than trying to make Forgotten Realms work for the fifth edition rule set. Rule set, which it yeah. has worked just fine. Ooh. Not saying that it's bad, but mm -hmm. that was part of the. Um, kind of the attractiveness of fourth edition is that they were like, you know, we've got this fourth edition brand new rule set and this is the world that it takes place in. And I don't know, that was kind of cool. So yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So that release, keep an eye out for that on store shelves or Amazon. I think all releases are combined now. We're no longer getting staggered releases as far as I know. So that's the October 22nd release. So we're in September 28th. So about a month, about, you know, four yeah. weeks from now, we should have that on our shelves, hopefully. Hopefully, um, Complete errata and reworked opening chapter is the thing they advertise on the site. So it'll be interesting to see. The We know we've been talking about for the last couple of shows, Eberron Rising from The Last War. I don't know if we have anything to add to that quite as we've kind of really talked a lot about that, but we're just remember that that's a November 19th release. So two months away from now, uh, we'll be having, I'm sure Jordan will have that on his shelf and we'll get to see that. Also, on the same day, which I thought was interesting, is they're releasing the Dungeons & Dragons vs. Rick & Morty adventure, which is a five-player adventure for levels one to three. I don't know how big that'll be. I don't know if that'll be like an acquisitions book or if that'll be like, um, I don't know, I Secrets be like of Saltmarsh? I think it'll be like a box set, honestly. I think it'll probably come with like dice and maybe some artwork of Rick & Morty and then like a little... Like not a hardcover book, like a flimsy yeah. book that is. So like the the D and D Essentials, yes. Stranger Things box set, the the other yeah. ones that we've been. It's seeing not as... technically a box set, but I that's that's what I'm thinking is that it's going to yeah. be like a box set, and and it All will right. probably come with some dice because they've the every other, well except for Acquisitions Incorporated, but that's a little different from the Stranger Things and you know and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think it's going to be like the Stranger Things box set. So, but we'll see. Which would be cool. I think yeah. that'd be really cool. So you No, know, I have a lot of friends that are Rick and Morty fan fans, and this might be what gets them into being dungeon masters. Cause yeah. it's like, oh, like that I wanna just read that. That would be fun. And then I'm sure they'll read it, they'll laugh, and they'll be like, I wanna like run this now. And so that could be a lot of fun. And I might be that person who I've never really watched Rick and Morty. I've known of it. I've, I've heard the jokes, you know, and people mention it, and I know what they're talking about, but I haven't watched the show. This might drag me in to say, okay, I've got this. This is cool. Maybe I should go back and check out the show now. So it might do the other thing, which is what these kind of companies hope to do too, is that your your audience start to intermingle. So maybe yeah. maybe I get to be start to become a Rick and Morty fan and and maybe Rick and Morty fans start to become Dungeons and Dragons fans if they aren't already at this point. So yeah. Just like no, Stranger I, Things. I like and Rick and Morty things. a lot. Um, I read the Rick and Morty. Uh, sorry, I've got an itchy eye. I read the Rick and Morty uh, comic books, the Dungeons and Dragons comic books that they did, and they're really fun. Like they're yeah. hilarious. So, uh, yeah, I'm starting yeah. to be a huge fan of Jim Zub. I mean, everything he's done. I've got to talk to him at Gen Con. Um, he did a really fun TED talk. He just seems like a really, really nice guy. He's like on that level of Matt Mercer, nice guy kind of person. Mm -hmm. Like you're just like, man, he's just. He's just better than all of us. <laughs> He's just <laughs> such a good guy. <laughs> and he was just really cool, really humble, but also really creative and outgoing and willing to talk to anybody that just walked up. Like at Gen Con, there's like thousands of people walking by. And if you want to have an actual conversation with the guy, he'll sit there and talk with you legitimately. He's not trying to rush you off. He's not trying to, you know, say, hey, I've got a bunch of things to do. You should keep going. It wasn't, it was like he was ready to sit there and talk to me for an hour if I wanted to. So mm. it was really cool to, to do that so i'm really excited for him. and he's you know doing a lot of the writing for comic book stuff but he's doing a lot of the D, &D comics he's doing you know um, all the famous kind of D, D comics at this point i wouldn't be surprised if they bring him in on like a D, &D animated kind of um project at some point or even movie that i know that i've heard is kind of in the works but we haven't really seen much about it um we know the vox moxon is doing their stuff but i don't know if that's if D and D is throwing money into that so that they're a part of it, or if that's just completely theirs and D and D is going to do its own thing. Would that be interesting that if we had Dungeons and Dragons do their own animated show plus, you know, bring back the old, the old style, rework the old style, do a new one. Who knows? That'd be really cool. So know. we know everybody loved the commercial that the, what was it in oh, Brazil yeah. they did or whatever, wherever it was, it was like that commercial. Everybody was like, yes, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so that'd be cool. So, 
those are the releases that we're keeping an eye out for the big dates to keep on your calendar, October 22nd and November 19th. And then we hit December. I have not found anything that seems to release in December, but I might be wrong. As I say that, I feel like there might be one thing. I don't remember what it was. If we, once we get it, we'll put it in our show notes and we'll, we'll, we'll definitely bring it up in our shows as yeah. we go. And then we get into the new year and then we start waiting for the new announcement of what the new adventure is going to be. Cause that's so always we'll probably the fun be announced part. at like a D and D live event in LA again. So, yeah. which I wonder if I'll they're going to change that into like D and D con, you know, like they, I feel like we we've talked about this a little bit, but I do feel that Dungeons and Dragons is at the point now where wizards of the coast could probably have their own convention, like a tabletop yeah. gaming convention for D and D. And since yeah. they don't go to Gen Con anymore, and uh, they really just hit these paxes up every once in a while, but I don't know. So yeah, or- especially because they would bring in Magic the Gathering at the same time. Yeah. And if you say we're running Magic the Gathering tournaments, we're running full on D and D events, you're gonna get thousands of people just to show up for those two things. Yeah. Then if you say it's a con where other people can show up and other RPGs or other stuff could happen, it would it would blow up. Mm-hmm. They blew up gen con you know they're the reason gen con's as big it is they're the reason is uh lots of those things are as big as they are because of those two products really yeah um and then all the other products that were able to be made because of that you know mm-hmm. they they opened the way or showed us the way collectible cards and and role-playing games with the tabletop so pretty cool yeah. Other than that, that's about the news. We didn't see any real lore articles this uh, this week. We saw a few interviews of people um, that you could go check out on the D&D channel, but I didn't see anything about no, no real big Q&As. Nothing was really big in the news thing. Um, I wish I, I kind of wish Greg Tito's news video had more stuff in it, but it never really seems to have much meat to latch onto. It really feels like a rehash of all the stuff we already know. He never gives us even just a one little tidbit. I wish we got one little tidbit of brand new news of yeah. some sort. But yeah, I guess you you know you can't have it all. Um, so that's about it. Other than that, it was playing role playing games and hanging out with friends. And what did we? I think we started off with me last week. What did we didn't get any games in last week? It seemed like. <laughs> no, I didn't. So, yeah, I didn't have any games well, last week. What so. happened this week? What did I finally played D and D once, twice. Yeah. Um, well, tell us all about it. Yeah, so uh, I didn't write this in my notes, but I'm trying to remember. We did uh, uh, my acquisitions incorporated game, which I'm having a lot of fun with, and really like level one. It's all milestone leveling. So level Mm -hmm. one was a dungeon and we explored this dungeon and it was a lot of fun, a lot of combat. Level two has been going to Fandelver. So we went uh, to Fandelver and there was a couple of, of weird things that we found along the way of the road. And, you know, your typical like, oh, goblins are attacking us and we have to take care of, of just problems by traveling. Because you know it's Wait, never like attacked a safe by goblins travel. sounds like the Fandelver adventure. Well, we weren't attacked by goblins. It was actually okay. really interesting. There were there were two horses that, and I'm still trying to figure out this puzzle. And I was I was a little frustrated that my compatriots, my party, didn't want to explore this. But we found two dead horses next to a cart that was beat up and, and broken. And then we saw a bunch of goblins in the trees. So we snuck in and and tried to ambush the goblins, but it turns out the goblins were dead and they were propped up like scarecrows. And so we're like, well, that's really weird. So then we go over to the horses and then the horses animate with necrotic magic and attack us as these undead horses. And so it was like, all right. And so we kill the horses and I'm like, what there's nobody here like if these horses had had killed us there's nobody here to loot our bodies like why have the goblins propped up like that it makes no sense and my party member was like i don't know maybe someone's just practicing dark magic and this was their this was a test or something i'm like that makes no sense we have to (laughs) we have to stay here and figure out why these horses were animated and they were just like no we got to go on our mission and i I was really not frustrated but my character (laughs) was just like guys this is a puzzle and we haven't figured out the puzzle. So uh, we did that. But my point was, is that we got into Fandelver. Fandolin. Lost mine of Fandelver. Fandolin is the name of the city. Is the, yeah. Yes. So we went to Fandolin and uh, we met a whole bunch of NPCs and there's a bunch of like relationship stuff going on. It's just a classic, like you're in a town, 
you start talking to people and all of a sudden you need to pick a side. You need to like help other people. So we're, we're trying to figure out what happened to this Acquisitions Incorporated franchise that stopped reporting back to the main office. And something happened and we're trying to figure it out. But there's a lot of like sketchy, weird people in town. There's a mayor, mayor electoral event happening and we have to like side with one of the candidates to kind of help them win which is kind of fun and interesting so having a lot of fun with acquisitions incorporated it's um i think it's a well-written module and we're we're just we're only level two but like there's just a lot of meat there and we're having a lot of fun with it so i wonder now that you've said that because i we both have played through that adventure i wonder if I could totally see Chris Perkins doing this where they took one version of one group that played through this and you're coming along behind them. And this is the group that played through the original Fandelver adventure and all the stuff that happened for that group, the things they did, the people they met, the people they killed or didn't kill, you know, whatever. And now you're the second group coming in seeing the aftermath of what this group has done. That is so fun and cool to think of that. I almost want to do one of my campaigns like that now where I've done one of them. And now I have a group come in about, like you said, two years later or, or a year six later, months six later months later. Yeah. And be like, why is this town burned to the ground? What, what happened to this town after my, my, my wrecking crew of the first party went through everything. That'd be really cool. Like, even if think of that, I'm in, um, uh, I don't want to do spoilers, but I'm in tomb of annihilation what what does it look like for the group that gets there two weeks after we've left? Because yeah. we're we're wrecking balling through this stuff, right? So that group comes in and is like, well, it kind of seems like there was a trap here, but that's all broken. There's no treasure anywhere. There's no creatures anywhere because we've killed everything we've, we've come across. Wow, that'd be such an interesting story in my head. Probably not as fun to play, but I've wow, always what wanted an interesting to... way. I've always wanted to do something similar, but with time travel and I've never really been able to make it work. But like the idea that the adventuring party gets there and they go through this, all the traps have been set off. All of the monsters have been killed and they're walking through this entire dungeon, trying to figure out what happens. They get to the edge of the dungeon. They touch a crystal. They're then teleported back a week and they have to now go through the dungeon with all the traps that they, they know about some of the traps and things like that, but they have to go through. Uh, and then at the very end, they see themselves like traveling back in time or something some, similar to that. And I, I really like that idea, but I've never really been able to make it work because I'm like, if the minute you put time travel in there, the players are not going to want to adhere to the rules of time travel. They're going to want right. to try and break it to see what happens and stuff. And so mm -hmm. I don't know, but we'll put a pin in this because super secret project may have something to do with something like that. Okay. So when I get to finally talk about that, I want to come back and tell you how awesome this was when I read it. And I thought, Oh my God, how have we not done this before? Okay. Uh, eventually. So <laughs> fun. Uh, that's a then, good one. So yeah. What else did you do? Uh, and then I did my salt marsh game, which was Ooh, really fun. fun. And I'm, I'm really enjoying ghosts of salt marsh. Uh, my players were on a boat that was being attacked by a Kraken and they had basically 20 rounds to get off of this boat with a safe. And so they, they went through the 20 rounds. They finally got off of the boat. The entire ship got pulled down under the water and they like rode to safety. But what was interesting is there was supposed to be a combat on the ship and they mm -hmm. were supposed to get attacked by this half orc druid of Lolth, the spider queen. So he's like a spider druid and he comes out like ready to attack them. Just kind of like what's happening to my boat. It's sinking. And the bard is like, well, I'd like to persuade him to like not attack us and, and things like that. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll allow it. The bard ended up getting a natural 20. So it was like a 28 or something like that. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, you persuade him. So then I was going to have the, the orc attack him later while they're on the rowboat. But he's like, no, no, I befriended this guy. I want to try and calm him down. They end up casting some spells. He does another persuasion check, kind of calm. And I'm like, okay, so this guy you know, you have to reward that they're, they're good dice rolls. So I was mm -hmm. like, okay, he's not going to attack you. And so that, and then when they landed back at salt marsh, I'm like, what do you want to do with this orc guy? You just send him on his way. And they're like, no, let's have him work in our bar. And I'm like, okay. Uh, he's not, he's a druid. He kind of wants to be on there. Like, I don't know if he wants to. And they made a very compelling argument that he's in a strange place. He's been living on an Island his whole life. So now he's in a strange city. He doesn't know what to do. They want to take care of him. And I was like, no, okay. You make a compelling argument. He wants <laughs> to, he wants to stay and work with you guys, but he is evil. 
Like, so now he's living in the basement of their bar and he built a shrine to Lolf and there's spiders that are coming out of the woodwork that are now like living in this, in this bar with them because of, you know, Lolfness. And it got me thinking of doing some odd downtime complications. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing downtime for the last, like, I think we've had two downtime sessions. So pretty much in between adventures, they take a week of downtime to do downtime stuff. And the artificer is a potion manufacturer. So he's crafting magical items with his downtime and he's making healing potions. The paladin does pit fighting because it makes him money. The bard does gambling. And so the bard has been gambling and things like that. And the barbarian started a pub and has been doing the business rules for like, how do I make my pub make money and things <laughs> like that? His, his brew house, I keep calling it a pub and he keeps correcting me where he's like, well, it's not necessarily a pub. Like we're focused on making beer and distributing it within salt marsh. And I'm like, okay, but it's that a pub. character needs like, to be in the ACK Inc campaign. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that guy gets it. Yeah. So we've been, we've been doing all these rules and I, I decided this time around that I was going to introduce some complications. So the uh, brewing guy who's making the, sorry, the potions manufacturer, the city of salt marsh is getting rumors that he's creating magical items, but he's like, there's there's toxic potion sludge that he's putting in the sewers or something like like there's there's an there's whether these are true rumors or not the people are starting to be a little leery of you just creating potions in the city of salt marsh and they don't like it they think it's kind of mm -hmm. thing so so i dropped that hint and then that's going to come back the next time they have downtime the pit fighting guy got a mob boss to walk up to him and say hey i want you to throw the next fight we'll pay mm -hmm. you x amount of gold if you purposely lose the next fight and the paladin was like well i'm 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 lawful good i can't do that and so the paladin refused so i'm like well that's going to come back later because these guys <laughs> don't like to be told no and then the the half orc druid that's in the basement with a shrine to lulf i think he's going to start summoning demons and he's going to do yeah. some interesting things and so there i don't know there's there's something there that i haven't quite figured out yet but he's going to be doing some negative things that they're going to have to deal with as well but i like this idea of like complications i really mm -hmm. like the idea that their their downtime they don't just willy-nilly get to do this there's going to be some complications so i'm going to have to create a couple of of encounters both social and and fighting encounters uh for my players as they go through salt marsh um but really really hi felix we're really enjoying it <laughs> um it's it's a fun campaign that is just kind of really lends itself to having this downtime mechanic which is not something when i initially read it i was planning on doing but now that i'm doing it i really like it because they do have here's your next mission they go do it they come back and then they're just like, we need to figure out um, what's happened with your mission and the ramifications of that. And the, the powers that be, the people in charge are kind of like, give us a week to figure it out. And then they have a week to go do stuff. Then they come back and the, and the people in charge say, okay, now we need you to go to this island to take care of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been really fun. And one of my players called it. He was like, well, what we did was kind of a side quest. Is it part of the main story? And I'm like, well, it's the main story in that it's in my book. It's in the Ghosts of Saltmarsh book. But does it pertain to your like overall adventure? Uh, maybe. You don't know yet kind of a thing. And he's like, oh, okay. So he's like, you know, side quests are fine, too. He wasn't upset or anything. And I was like, no, it's great. But yeah, having lots of fun with Saltmarsh. Other than that, I've been reading a lot of uh, Descent into Avernus. I'm about a third of the way through it, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, they're just getting to Candlekeep where I'm reading, and I have been uh, really enjoying that. I want to run it. Like, it just seems really cool. Um, or if anything, I want to steal a bunch of the, the hell ideas when I actually get to Avernus. Um, in the book and use it for my Shadowfell campaign at some point. So we'll see what goes on. Um, Shadowfell campaign, we just can't seem to find a date that works for everybody. I thought we were going to play last Sunday, but then one person had to had to do a, an overtime shift at their work, so they weren't able to come. And um, since all of my players, all of my players are uh, significant others of the other player, 
So usually if one person can't come, their significant other also doesn't want to come. And so right. then we just have too few of players to really try. And, and so this week we have a baby shower today and families in town. So this week it was us that are just like, well, our family's in town. We can't really afford to do this and this and this. So, yeah. So no, no ghosts of salt or no uh, Shadowfell adventures, but hopefully we'll have some later on. And if you guys family D and D right family D and D. Yeah. <laughs> and if you guys are curious about this, I've started a new video series on my YouTube channel where it's dungeon prep with Dun Jordan. And I am, I just kind of stream for like 45 minutes to an hour where I prep my D and D session for the next night. Um, it's very informal, but it's live. And I think I'm going to start doing that on Saturday afternoons. Um, but if you want to check out the backlog, go to my um, community posts on my YouTube channel and you can see the backlog of them. They're unlisted videos. So you have to go to those community posts in order to see them. Um, but uh, in the future, uh, if you're curious about that, um, I have a lot of fun and it's just kind of like, well, if I, I, I just prep my next session of D and D. So I can't do that today, um, because mm -hmm. I have a baby shower or maybe I will this evening. We'll see, but I need to prep my next session of ghosts of salt marsh. So, uh, we'll, it's just fun. So come hang out with me is what I'm basically saying. Follow me on Twitter. So, you know, when I go live, um, or hit the bell icon on my, on my YouTube channel. So, you know, when I go live, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but what did Lucian do in games as I just wow. rambled for like 20 minutes? <laughs> yeah, see, so much. When you when you play a bunch of games, it's there's so much you want to talk about. Yeah. Um, Monday Night Seeking Revenor, the my longstanding homebrew campaign, loosely based in Forgotten Realms, but mostly based across the ocean in a new land. Um, our players finally had to do the jailbreak session. We had a couple of episodes where we didn't have every player present. Um, we also brought in a new cast member for that Monday night show. So they're up to a five party group. They were all in prison cells. And the person I thought that was going to get out the rage barbarian, I thought would be the one that would break them out just by raging and, and doing cool ragey stuff. Mm -hmm. It ended up being the paladin being super smart and in the same room with the dwarven ranger that ends up getting the party unlocked and out. Um, so they did it a totally different way than I thought, but it was really cool because I set a goal to myself not to pre-plan the way I think they're going to get out. I think like I, when I looked at how they could get out, I thought this might be the way they're going to do it, but I didn't want to overthink it. I wanted to just see what the players were going to do and really lean into if they had a plan that was thought about for more than five minutes, I wanted to lean in to really help them make that happen mm -hmm. versus no, the chains are too strong. You can't do that. Uh, nope. The guard, there's five guards. They're they're super. They can see you and all this other stuff. Um, you know, I didn't want to dampen on every single plan they came up with, but I also wanted it not just to be a flippant plan. I wanted it to be something they they come up with. So apparently, they've watched way too many jailbreak shows, so they know all the right things to do. <laughs> and uh, it was pretty good in the jails. You know, pretty lax. The one thing I did do that was interesting. I know we talked about in a previous session when we talked about how do you keep superheroes in jail. Like in a jail that just has a door and it's locked, really. Yeah. And, you know, chains are no are no barrier to them. But it did work out that it, when we took away all of their spell components, we took away their holy symbols, we took away, we put a bag over their head, and their hands were chained together. That certainly limited them down to very few things they can do. Um, but the druids still had the ability to do some shape shifting because that didn't really require anything. Um, the barbarian could rage if needed. The paladin, we were having a discussion about if a paladin could do lay on hands with or without this holy symbol, because we hadn't really technically cared about it before as far as we just let the character be the character. We didn't you know, come up with how exactly does this do it. But I thought the player did a good job of thinking about it and limiting themselves not to just go full paladin-ish without, you know, coming up with a reason why it might work or praying or that kind of thing mm -hmm. and, and getting past the whole idea that we don't have our stuff or our gear. What's interesting now is that they've broken out. They're about to go pick some fights and they, they were able to pick a fight and beat an ogre on their own with really almost no gear and just using a chain for, for wrapping around Jabba the Hutt style choking. And somebody was had like a, a an iron piece that they just pulled out of the wall. So we called it kind of like a dagger and that was it. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see them 
getting into fights without their armor and their normal gear, but having to use a lot of improvised weapon stuff mm -hmm. for at least until they find the room that has their gear in it. So that's been pretty fun. I feel like I, I the biggest thing I didn't want to do is screw this whole thing up where I made it not a fun session because they were in jail and they were, I took their agency away from them. Like, because you've heard so many, I remember one of my favorite stories that Matt Coville talks about is when he puts his characters in prison mm -hmm. and he pulls the agency away from them and how he felt like that was a mistake he made. He should not have done that. He should not have pulled their agency away in that way. And one of their players gets killed, gets executed to prove a point type thing. And he, he really felt like there's a, you can go back on his channel and watch when he talks about that whole thing. And I've heard other stories about it. I've been in um, campaigns where everybody got caught and then we were put on chains. And then every time we tried to come up with a plan, the dungeon master foiled it in every single way because he had a set plan of what was going to happen. And we weren't going to break out. He was bringing us to something else. And we had, there was like, there was no chance. Like everything we came up with, good idea or bad idea just didn't work. So I kept telling myself, don't do that. Like, here's what I know the bad guys want to do. Mm -hmm. Be open to what the players decide to do or don't decide to do and just let the world react to how they're doing those things. And, and I think it worked out. We went through most of the session where they were able to plan. They had to deal with some things that they, they obstacles that they didn't think about, but they were able to get themselves out. They were able to start maneuvering. They, they found some allies and some other jail cells. Um, some other interesting characters that they've got to meet now and a new player got introduced, which was really cool. So the only bad part of that whole thing is one player is separated. So I don't know how that's going to work now that we have um, one of our characters is on a different level, got brought to a different level. So how that's going to meet up or how am I going to get those people together on Monday night without running two sessions at the same time <laughs> kind of thing. So I'll have to see how I'm going to do that, but it was pretty fun. I feel like I didn't screw it up. That's what I wanted to put in my notes. I didn't screw it up. So that was at least good. Um, and next Monday, which is going to be really cool for all of those that are here listening, you can watch Jordan come over and he's going to play uh, one of our characters. They, they're they going to be gone. So I asked for a role player to come in and do some role playing. So he gets to play a Dwarven Ranger next Monday for us. And we won't do the whole surprise thing so that we don't, we can check all the cameras and we can check everything's <laughs> working and we make sure the character sheets are doing what they're supposed to. Unlike we did it the last time where we had surprise Jordan show up. Um, and you never know, we may have at some point in this, maybe not on Monday, but still down the road, we may have the return of Dirk at some point just for fun um, in that area. Cause that character still is living and still exists in the canon of our, of our adventures so that's super fun and i like the idea of oh the other thing i thought about this was i the other reason i bring it up not just to promote the show but this idea of bringing in almost in a way i've thought about doing this i may not do it for monday night but a co-dm for big battles so i could if i wanted to lean on jordan to play NPCs for me or i could even i've heard some people do this where they bring a guest in to play the villain right? Mm -hmm. So I could, I have this, the villain of this whole area is this, um, this giant, um, stone giant called Groog. And had I thought about it and had the schedules lined up, I could have had a guest villain play so that when we're doing the big battles and we're doing the monologues, I could have another person be that, that player, just say, Hey, here's the motivations, riff off it however you want. Here's what you want. Here's the things that you, you, you know, your wants and needs, your fears and your, your goals and set up the players talking to that person. And then it kind of pulls it off of me being the person who has to think up of all the different voices and all the different um, attributes of these villains. You could bring in somebody that could help you out. So almost like a co-DM version. So I think eventually I want to try something like that where I, where I hand somebody that I can say, I know you're a dungeon master. I know you're good at these kinds of things. Could you play this cool villain for me? I'm, you know, could you play Strahd for one night for me when the yeah. players are finally in the room and I need somebody to be the Strahd, you know, and I'm just going to run all the other cool stuff that's going on. That could on. be a so, lot of fun. Yeah. So I think that'd be really fun to try out one time. So maybe somewhere down the road, We'll try that. I am going to let um, Jordan play two of the other elves. There's two um, <clears throat> in my world. There's another set of elves, not wood or high that are in this new land that are a different group. 
and I'm going to have him play those two. They're Rangers, but they're, they're two people that were captured too. So he'll have fun if he wants to. He can just play them just, hey, tactically and just sit down and have fun. Or if he wants to dive into having three different characters, there's, you know, a, um, a, a dwarf, a mountain dwarf. I think it's a mountain dwarf ranger. And then one male elf ranger and one female elf ranger. He can come up with whatever personality he wants for those two ranger characters as their NPCs in the group. So I think that'd be kind of fun. Um, so other than that, that'll help me run that, which was super fun. Then we played Tomb Annihilation on Wednesday. Um, I acquired another spell book. My, I am flush with spell books on yeah. my wizard. I have so many spells, it's crazy. I don't have enough memorizing slots. I don't have enough spell slots to actually cast all this cool, really cool stuff. But boy, do I have a big, wide range of things to choose from at this point. So, um, and we we hit the same thing you kind of talked about where there's a mystery going on, but I'm not sure my group really cares to dive into it. They're just like, I don't care. Let's just keep moving on. Like there's an obvious thing that's happening and most of the group just wants to move on. And I keep thinking back to like, should we, should we explore this more? Is yeah. this a bigger thing? Is this not a bigger thing? I don't know. So it's funny that we also kind of fallen into that where there's, there's some type of, I don't know, I, maybe it is a side mystery. Maybe it's not a main thing, Yeah. but it's caught my eye and my group just were like, eh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> So that's cool. And then today, after this show, I'm going to play in my first game ever being GM'd by LBM Hackabup, Dungeon Mastering, Descent into Avernus. So no spoilers as you're reading your book. We're actually going to play Baldur's Gate, Descent into Avernus, and I'm playing my first monk character. Oh, so I get to play a monk. I've always um, theory crafted them, but I've never actually played one through a campaign. Um, hopefully this will be my chance to go through and play that character and see what I like. Um, I'm doing a, um, um, and I always get the pronunciation wrong, so I apologize because I love this show, but Naruto and um, Kakashi. So uh, the sensei that teaches them and this, I just love this idea of a hidden village somewhere out there. So I'm gonna play a monk of a hidden village. I'm gonna call it the hidden forest instead of the hidden leaf. And then it's going to be based on some of the abilities that Kakashi could do eventually, um, which I think would be really fun to figure out how do you get Chidori, how do you get all these other things to work um, in that kind of world. So I think that's fun. But the one way, the only thing I was really weird about it is I need them to be able to run on walls and trees and because that's that's like quintessential anime monk, right, or, or, or ninja, jonin, um, whole, that whole thing. So I decided to make it a tabaxi monk that wears a mask all the time. So just like they have their special ops in that show, they wear a mask and they go do ninja cool shinobi stuff. Um, my tabaxi is going to be like that. Doesn't take the mask off, stays as kind of a hidden special operative, but can do the running along the wall, mm -hmm. running along the trees from branch to branch, really super mobile um able to walk i mean at some point i'll be able to run across water just like it's normal so it's going to be that real i think this is going to be a really cool character and i have to figure out well i need to do a dip into another class to really make this feel like kakashi or am i going to be able to do it all in the monk um so we'll have to see if i can make it all work out so be i think fun. you can uh maybe the shadow monk which monk which style of monk are you leaning towards i, I in some ways, well, he needs to be able to do the one cool move that you always see. Well, he's the copycat ninja for one. I don't know how I'm going to do all that right. yet. But the cool thing is, is he always does the, the lightning hand or the lightning sword strike that he does. So I'm thinking that's just a shocking hands, right? I, I think that I'm going to be able to get away with and I can, I can flavor it that way. So he needs that cantrip somehow. So I might have to go mage initiate at some point for a feat or I dip into a class where I can get it or I try to find a magic item that lets me trigger it, but somehow I got to get to that one. The other ability he can do um, is make clones of himself. So I'm thinking of something like get a mirror image of some sort or a blur would, would kind of work out. I could probably narrate that in some way. And then just basically being super mobile and super strong in an actual fight. I'm pretty close. So I don't know if I need a specific sub monk class, but the one that allows you to go with the four elements is probably pretty close because you can do 
a lot of those things. Like I think they have a burning hands version mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, they do these different spells. Um, but then also, I don't know, Sun Soul kind of works out too, because you could flavor some of the things they do with the Sun Soul um, to make it work the way you want it to work too. So I don't know. I think it's going to be fun just making that character alive. And it may not be an exact copy of Kakashi, but it might be something pretty close. And it'll definitely feel like a, a, a hidden village shinobi at some point. So I think that'd be pretty fun. So, Very fun. Super cool. I love watching that show. I'm, I'm definitely late to the party. I, I wish I'd have watched it as a kid or, or, you know, gotten involved in it. I think it has been really cool because I'm loving it and I binge watch it right now because it's on, I can watch it on Netflix and then Hulu. They have all the different episodes. In it. <laughs> so it's really good. So that's the big thing I'm doing. Um, secret project happens next Thursday. Again, we're getting closer to when I can actually talk about that. Um, we'll have a Monday night game. We'll have a Wednesday night game. And then now a Saturday game where we're playing Baller's Gate. So that's going to be pretty cool. Maybe I get to go to hell at some point, which would be really fun. So that is what I have done so far in gaming. That's what I'm looking forward to this week. The one thing I, I thought of the questions, have you jailed your characters in any of your campaigns? Did your... Did your Hot Spring Island guys ever get jailed? Did your your home party ever yeah, get jailed? My Salt Marsh team got jailed because we did that okay. TPK, and I think it was a similar thing, right? You almost had a TPK, and you ended up putting them in jail. Yeah, they were definitely total party yeah. captured. Yeah, yeah they, yeah, they lost that fight. And that was the same thing with mine. They <laughs> lost that fight, um, and one of them failed their death saving throws, so that guy died, mm-hmm. and then they were all taken to the pirate ship and jailed on that pirate ship, so they all woke up with, like, two hit points or something and had to like break out of there, but they ended up doing a social encounter and, and talked their way out of it. And that's how they got out of there. And that's how they got the building where they are now brewing their beer is because they were like, Hey pirates, you can use this as like a staging area for your smuggling. And we'll, we'll turn it into like a bar so that people don't, you know, like shipments come and go because we're like, oh, we're restocking the bar or something. And that's why these people are coming and going and things like that. And so that's that was their initial plan. But the pirates are are seeing that they're losing out on a lucrative piece of. Uh, uh, yeah, just a, they're 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 losing out on money that the pub is making. So they're kind of like pressing that they're like, well, you have to your rent's going up, so to speak. You know, your rent was nothing. And now it's like 10 gold a week. And now it's this and this and this. So they're they're pressuring them for more money. But so far, my party's just like, yeah, we got gold. Like we've been we've been fighting lots of stuff. We should be okay. So uh, (laughs) but my party really wants a boat. They want their own sailing ship. And I'm wondering what 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 do I have to do to get to the point where they just decide, you know what, smugglers, pirates are bad. We're gonna sail out to their boat. We're gonna talk to the captain, and we're gonna take over their ship, and <laughs> and like steal their ship basically because they're just bad smugglers. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. That's funny you mentioned that because I had one of my players who rented and just watched Mortal Engines. Did you see that movie? Yeah, I saw that movie. It was fun. So and he immediately called me up after the movie and said how do I in Dungeons and Dragons get one of these? <laughs> it's like, my character is now devoted to creating a mortal engine. <laughs> yeah. So he wants a, a city on wheels city on that wheels, cruises yeah. around or a base or a fort on wheels. That feels that very around. Eberron. Like yeah. a, a city that moves on wheels like that. So when that you, uh, when you create characters, Lucian, do you always go mm-hmm. for kind of a theme, excuse me, like a theme like you are with uh, your Naruto kakashi character or or like because or is this something that's just kind of came up okay yeah yeah 50 50 sometimes it's a character i've seen in something i'm watching currently so i'll be watching that or i'll be watching you know like i'll like oh i want to do a captain america style character and how can i do that so i would say half of my characters are that way other half is I have this concept. I want to see if it works. So like I, I wanted to make a wizard who could be a frontline fighter by using a high dex and good shield spells, still be up in the front, have some good defensive magic that allows them to stand up in the front, mm-hmm. um, but then still be kind of the, the Gandalf style wizard. So that was kind of the idea of, could you have a frontline wizard just going the wizard route? So that's how I got made that character. And a lot of times it's based around one of those two things, like either a concept of if I want to combine these, I have this feet and this thing and I want to mash them together. How can I build a cool 
support character around those two things and what that's going to do or hey here's this cool character i've seen in another genre or another show i'm watching or a book i'm reading and i want to do that the only other style that i'll make is sometimes i just type in dnd portraits or i'll type in like um i don't know warlock or i'll type in fighter and i'll just start going through images on google of people that have made really cool images either for their DD characters or their concept art for video games or their whatever and then i'll see the picture and i'll be like i don't care i'm gonna make a character that fits this picture what this picture right. makes me feel like this is the thing i want to create and i'm going to create something cool around that so those are probably the three ways i come up with characters okay the most i, um, I think I the it. shadow monk might be where you want to go but i could be wrong yeah because i think you can you can teleport in shadows um i know my monk my shadow monk in my campaign he's level 11 but he can run up walls yeah so um i don't know it's kind of interesting uh that's our show ladies and gentlemen thank you so much <laughs> for hanging out with us and for chatting with us and for watching us on both youtube and twitch uh we will be back next week with another episode of the saturday morning DD show uh anything else we need to say before we get out of here nope i see lb hackmup has been in our chat she's all set for our game super excited i love her little comment about i had no idea how much i had to prep that's super <laughs> funny because you're right yep as a dm and as the first time you do it you always over prep or you always think you need to do too much but yeah. you get the hang of it it'll be easy if me and jordan can do it the old saying anybody can do anybody it can. <laughs> so keep checking go to the comments um definitely go and check out and make sure you rate us over on podcasts if you're listening to mm -hmm. us and not watching us and give us some comments about the character concepts hey go to this video when jordan posted on monday and help me figure out how to build the best kakashi so that i can make it really a cool hidden leaf shinobi for this character you guys can help me out so definitely do that so that's all i got Sweet. All right, we're out of here. We'll see you guys next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.